Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. Listen each week for updated content and be sure to share with your friends. We hope this podcast is a blessing and a resource to you as you pursue God daily. If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Exodus. Exodus chapter 3, Genesis, Exodus. We'll be spending our, our time in Exodus chapters 3 and 4. We are wrapping up a series called Grow. Somebody say Grow. Oh, listen, I think this has been such a timely series for us as a church. I know we, we kicked this off four weeks ago, and we talked about how God wants us to grow. Uh, not only does he want us to grow, but God expects growth. Can I have a good amen? amen. And I want you to consider this. When, when you say yes to Jesus, you are receiving the seed. The scripture calls Jesus the seed, and I think you'll see the analogy here. You receive the seed for everything you need in the form of Christ. Any problem, any challenge, any issue, whatever obstacle, everything that you have need of, you can find in Jesus. Can somebody help me this morning? And maybe you're new to faith, or maybe you're still kind of, you're curious, or maybe you haven't crossed the line of faith yet. You're still checking some things out. Maybe you've come from a a difficult background. Maybe you've been hurt by church. And so, you know, being able to surrender to Christ is maybe you're not quite there yet. I want to encourage you. When you receive Christ, you have the seed to everything you need. God gives us the kingdom to us in the the form of a seed. It, it, It starts there, but it doesn't stop there. There's growth. Somebody say growth. And God not only wants us to grow in Christ, but he expects us to grow in Christ, and then gives us everything we need to be fruitful. Can you say amen? Amen. And so if you were here last week, we talked about nutrition. Remember, we talked about superfood for the soul. How many of you were here last week? Yeah. How many of you, you were motivated to eat a little healthier last week? Not so much? No? Okay. You said, Pastor, you were talking about food for the soul. I still got food for the belly in a different place. I get it. So last week, we talked about nutrition. Today, I want to talk to you about exercise. Ooh. Did you, did you hear the groans? Y'all get happy when we talk about food, but the minute we start talking about exercise, why don't we just let it all out on the count of three? Ready? One, two, three. Ooh. Oh, I know. The title of the message is, is simply this. It's go time. Come on, somebody say go time. And notice how I spelt the word go. It's the right way to spell it. Can I have a good amen? See, down here on the bayou, we know. They don't know. They think they know, but they don't like we do. It's go time. Uh, I thought it'd be probably good to give you some exercise facts uh, to, to get started. And we know this intuitively, and I think we're more aware as a culture uh, about the value, the benefit of exercise. But I thought it'd probably be good to walk through some of this. Exercise can help reduce anxiety and stress. Uh, I read this. People who are physically active for at least seven hours a week are 40% less likely to die early compared to those who are only active for less than 30 minutes a week. Hmm. Come on, it's go time. You want to live longer? You got to get busy. Uh, they say this that walking at a brisk pace 
burns almost as many calories as jogging at the same distance. How many power walkers do we have? Oh, yeah. How many runners do we have? Ooh. How many of you, if you're running, the only reason is because something big and ugly is chasing you? Yeah. Walking briskly and jogging, you almost burn as many calories. Uh, they, I thought this was discouraging. Muscle mass diminishes at the rate of 1% a year in middle-aged people. Oh, man, we losing it. You, you got to work harder the older you get just to maintain. How many know what I'm talking about? Listen to this. They say 80%. This is funny. 80% of Americans who have a gym membership don't go to the gym. Come on, don't raise your hand, but you know who you are. Come on, somebody. Now, I thought this would be cool. I looked up some things as it relates to, to exercise. I wanted to bring it into the church context. So I found some information about how many calories you burn doing church activities. Are you ready? Y'all ready for this? They say that when you pray, you burn 68 calories. Oh, some of you are like, sweet Jesus, I'm going to pray a little more this week. 68 calories an hour when you pray. Well, they say when you stand in worship, just well, like what we just finished, okay, for the last 25, 30 minutes, standing in worship burns 78 calories. So think, think about this. If you have worshiped and prayed today, 68 plus 78, come on, you're burning calories, baby. But that, that's just standing in worship. If you do the more expressive kind of worship, the kind that we like to do at HPC, when you praise him with your hands, come on, somebody. When you praise him with your feet, come on, somebody. They say, check this out. When you do like that full body contact worship, you burn 340 calories. Yes, Lord. Yes. Lord. Some of you, I'm going to watch you next Sunday. You're going to become a few. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, uh, uh. I'm just praising. That was awkward, wasn't it? Was... Y'all see me? I think I'm, ouch, that kind of hurt. Chill a little bit. Check this out. Guitarists, keyboard players, choir, and, and singers burn 170 calories an hour. They say that uh, ushers, prayer partners, y'all not going to like this. Ushers burn twice as many calories as prayer partners do. How many are thankful for the ushers? Come on, somebody. Some of you are like, man, I need to sign up for the usher team. But if you usher and you pray, then you kind of multiply that calorie burning. Um, this is interesting. Eating at church. I mean, these are facts, okay? I looked this up. You can actually measure this. Eating at church. Guess how many calories you burn when you eat at church? 204 calories. Yeah, no wonder some of you are loving that cafe and standing in that line. You're like, man, I'm here to burn calories. Give me an extra donut in Jesus' name. I found this, that sermon prep, when I prepare for a sermon, I'm burning 102 calories. And I thought about, well, how many calories am I burning when I preach? How many know when we preach, we don't just teach, we preach. I couldn't find a number, but I'm determined today, it's go time. 
Exodus chapter 3, it's interesting. God made our bodies for movement. You need to know this. Last week, we talked about the importance of nutrition and, and getting in the Word of God. It is the superfood for the soul, but it's not just about what you consume. It's about what you expend. Do you know that in order to gain energy, you need to expend energy? You know, we consume the word, and that's good for our soul. But in order to grow, I want you to write this down, because this is big. This is the, the, the main idea of, the, of today's message is simply this. It's a simple statement, but it's powerful. You grow as you go. You grow as you go. When you put your hand to something, when you begin to take steps of faith, when you don't just say, Lord, I believe you, but you put your faith into action, as you serve your community, as you get on a team, as you engage in the work of God, you begin to grow. In fact, I think that going helps to accelerate growing. I have grown in my faith, not just when I said yes to the Lord, but when I made a commitment to get on a team, to serve my community, to be a part of the church, the kingdom of God. You see, the enemy of your soul wants you to be sedentary in your spirit. Can I say that again? We are no threat to the devil when we simply attend church. He don't mind that you're sitting in your seat. But when you decide to step up, come on now, the devil gets nervous when the body of Christ gets active. And today, my prayer is that God would motivate some of you to begin to move. You were made for movement. Your spirit wasn't designed to be sedentary and still. Now, I know we say, well, I'm just going to sit at the feet of Jesus. I want to sit at his feet. And there is a time to sit at his feet. But if you're going to find the feet of Jesus, what you'll discover is God's feet are always moving. Jesus says, I'm going from village to village, from house to house. God doesn't want you just to be saved and sitting on it. Can I have a good amen? He's saying it's go time. And in this Exodus chapter 3 passage, we see Moses. And, and, and I love this because in, in, this, in this chapter, we're going to see three different kinds of people. And if you're taking notes, you'll see this in your study guide. And I, I know I won't have enough time to go completely through everything we have today, but this is here for your study this week. I want you to read Exodus 3 and Exodus 4 this week and really drill down. But you're going to see three kinds of people today. You're going to see spectators. You're going to see excuse makers. And you're going to see go-getters. And, you know, in this passage, I think we'll see Moses in all three different phases. Check this out, Exodus chapter 3, starting with verse 7. Now, now, let me give you some context to what we're about to read. Many of you are familiar with the history of ancient Israel. And you know that after Joseph had died in, Israel, uh, in Egypt, the Bible says that a Pharaoh rose to power who did not know who Joseph was. God began to bless the Hebrew people and multiplied their numbers. And so Pharaoh enslaved the Israelites. They were slaves in, in Egypt for 400 years. And, and you know, it, after 400 years of slavery, we're going to read where God has a conversation with Moses. Now, what's interesting, Moses' journey is pretty, it's, it's pretty incredible. 
He was born at a time when there was much hostility against his people. In fact, so much so that Pharaoh made a law to kill all the Hebrew boys being born. How many know the the enemy is about death, but God is about life? And so Moses' mother put him in a little basket and put him in the river. In fact, the word Moses means drawn from waters. And so Pharaoh's daughter sees this basket, sees this helpless Hebrew child, has compassion on him, and begins to raise that child as if he were her own. Here she is, the daughter of of Pharaoh, but she's raising a Hebrew boy. You see, God had a plan for Moses. God was setting Moses apart from the beginning. Moses was raised in Pharaoh's palace. He goes out one day to check on the Hebrew people, and he sees an Egyptian beating an Israelite. And so the scripture says he looked both ways. He killed the Egyptian buried him in the sand. Can I tell you, some of y'all didn't know Moses was a murderer. I mean, we like to think of uh, Moses doing these glorious acts of power and leading God's people, but how many know Moses had a past? You know what that tells me? God can still use you even if you have a past. Even in your worst moments and, and the mistakes that you've made, God can still redeem and restore and use you. The Bible says when he killed that Egyptian, then he fled for his life. And so for 40 years, I love what D.L. Moody said, because for 40 years he was raised in in Pharaoh's house. D.L. Moody had this quote. He said, Moses spent 40 years thinking he was a somebody, 40 years learning he was a nobody, and then 40 years discovering what God can do with a nobody. Moses flees to Midian, and he hides in the desert. And In Exodus chapter 3, we're going to pick this story up. God speaks to Moses through a burning bush. And this is the pivotal moment in Moses' life. And let's pick this up in verse 7. From that burning bush, verse 7, the Lord told Moses, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. Now, notice what God's saying. I've seen. Come on, somebody say he sees. He says, I've heard. Say he hears. He said, I'm aware. Say he knows. Now, look at verse 8. So I have come down to rescue them. God says, I've seen it, heard it. I know what's happening. So I'm getting involved. How many of you know when God steps in, everything changes? Some of you, if you just invite God into your situation, if you say, Lord, I know you see. God, I know you hear. God, you're infinitely aware. Would you come and help me? When God gets involved, game changer. He says this, I've come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians. And to lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. The land where the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, and the Termites. Come on, somebody. All the ites. You know what the ites represent? Your enemies. Can I tell you, God will clear out your enemies. 
Everything coming against you. God goes before you. He says, I'm going to bring you into a wide and spacious land. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. The Bible says this in verse 9. Look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me. I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abused them. Now, let's stop right there. This is all coming from a burning bush. This is the word of the Lord to Moses. He sees this bush inflamed, and he comes closer, and God says, stop right there. Take your shoes off. This is holy ground. Can I tell you, when God steps in, not only does everything change, but the secular becomes sacred. And he begins to speak to Moses. If I'm Moses right now, I'm feeling pretty good about the plan. God, you see, you hear, you're aware, you're coming, you're going to rescue us. Yes, I'm feeling great about everything until verse 10. Notice what he says. God says, now go. Somebody say go. Come on, it's go time. He says, now go, for I am sending who? He says, I'm sending you to Pharaoh, and you must lead my people Israel out of Egypt. Whoa, 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 wait, 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 God. I was with you until verse 10. You see, you hear, you know, you're coming down to rescue. God, what does this have to do with me? Can you leave me out of it? I mean, if I'm Moses, I'm like, hey, God, remember how it was when I left Egypt 40 years ago? I killed a man. They don't like me back there. I'm, I'm on the most wanted list. I can't go back there. Are you kidding me? God's saying this. All of this stuff that's about to happen, he says, it's on me, but I'm sending you. God's doing all the work, but he's looking for a willing vessel who will step up and go. Now, if you're taking notes, write down the word spectators. This is the first thing that we see here. Moses had been spectating in the desert for a long time. He was hiding out in, in the land of Midian, almost had created an alternative life for himself. Nobody knew his past, and he was thankful for that. And now God was calling him to go back to the very place where he had messed up. God was using this burning bush. Now, here's, here's, what's, um, here's what I noticed this week in preparing for this message. What was the purpose of that bush on fire? Was it so Moses could kind of just warm himself by the fire? Was it to camp out by the fire and roast some marshmallows, sing a little kumbaya? Oh, I'm just going to warm myself by the fire. No, God was trying to light a fire inside of Moses. God was trying to stir him and activate his faith. And here's what I feel God is speaking to us today. God's wanting to light a fire inside of you. He doesn't want you to just camp out by the fire. He's wanting you to catch a little bit of that fire in your soul because that will move you forward. You know, otherwise, we'll just get sedentary in our spirit and we just want to spectate. We just want to sit back and watch it happen. You know what's dangerous about spectating? Here's what I've discovered about myself. When I spectate, I get critical. Now, I'm not talking to, uh, about anybody else in here. I'm going to let the Holy Spirit talk to you, but I want to talk to you about Mike Heyman. When I sit back and spectate, it's easy for me to pick things apart, to pick people apart. 
I could easily just come to a situation or setting. Man, I'm not invested in it. I'm not contributing toward it. I'm just sitting back and I'm analyzing. You know, several years ago, remember we went to visit some of our family out of town. I think it was over Thanksgiving. Maybe it was Christmas. And over the holidays, we went to another church in another city, in another state. Went with my family on a Sunday to another church. I'll tell you this, as a pastor, it's hard to turn it off. So I walk into, well, let me say, before I even walked into the building, there with family, dressed up, holidays, Sunday, it's great. Pull up in the parking lot, I'm thinking, man, where's the parking team? <gasps> Come on, people. Where's the golf cart to pick me up? I mean, for real, oh, y'all don't have a cafe up in here? My, my, my. Walking up into church, being like, man, nobody greeted me. <laughs> this really isn't a friendly place like healing place. Now, come on, don't look all religious now. You know you do the same. W worship service started, and not 10 minutes into it, I'm dissecting everything. Ha, we got way better musicians than they do. Man, our singers would blow that song out of the water. Doug, Tab, Alcee, man. They're ah. And so now, this is all during worship. Now, how many know your pastor's human? Come on. And so during that moment, I look down to Rachel to say something negative to her about what I'm seeing. And you know what she was doing? Hands raised, tears coming down her face. Man, and I went, look. And the Holy Spirit just. <laughs> you ever been smacked upside the head by the Holy Ghost? Some of you need to. Some of you need. To. I was so convicted. You know what God was telling me? Wow, look at how critical you've become. When you criticize, you can't receive. Rachel was far better off than I was. You know why? Because she was engaged. She was, man, she was dialed in. She wasn't comparing or criticizing. When you spectate, it's easy to criticize. But when you engage, you become part of the movement, the activity of what God wants to do. You say, well, pastor, what if I get frustrated? What if I don't like what I'm seeing? Check this out. Sometimes the source of your frustration really becomes the seeds to your inspiration. A young man named Michael Lehmans. I love Michael Lehmans. He's at our Ascension campus, and he serves on the parking team. You know how he got on the parking team? About 20 years prior, when we were at the Highland campus, he got stuck in traffic. After church, one Sunday, imagine that. There was a traffic jam. How many know sometimes on a, on a Sunday, Highland Road gets a little busy? Oh, y'all hadn't been caught in any of that? I run into people all the time that say, hey, pastor, we try to, and, and they, they don't come to church here, but they say, on Sundays, we know to stay away from Highland Road. Well, after service one Sunday, Michael Lehman's and his family, they got caught in traffic, and he found himself complaining, and the Holy Spirit says, hey, Instead of complaining, why don't you step up and serve? Why don't you be a part of the solution? And that was 20 years ago. He's been faithfully serving on our parking team ever since. Come on, isn't that awesome? Why? Because he said, I'm going to get involved. I talked to a guy one time. He said on a Sunday he was driving down Highland Road and just upset. Man, his back, traffic is backed up, and he's trying to get to some other place. And Well, the sheriff deputy was, was, was waving people in, 
and so waved him into the parking lot. He wasn't coming to church, didn't want to come to church, had other plans. But the deputy waved him into the parking lot. When he pulled up on campus, he thought, well, man, I got to go see what all the fuss is. And he's been coming ever since. You see, God will show up and ignite a fire inside of you and say, hey, come be a part of what I'm doing. Come, come, there's something inside of you that can make things better. Can I have a good amen? See, now look at the second thing. Number two, let's look at some excuse makers. Here is Moses' response. I don't have time to read all of these verses, but I put them in the study guide. So if you're following along on the app, you can read those on your own time. But I want you to see the conversation that God and Moses begin to engage with. M Moses says this. First of all, he says, well, wait a second, God. Who am I? Who am I to confront Pharaoh? You see, Moses was questioning his own identity. Man, I'm a nobody. Why would you want me to go back there to confront Pharaoh? Can I tell you this? God will always speak a man's potential. When God speaks to a man or woman, he speaks to their potential. Now, you, not, you may not think much of yourself, but God knows the capacity and the potential that he's created you with. Can I have a good amen? And here's what I've discovered about God, that God often does his greatest work through ordinary people so that he gets maximum glory. You see, little old people like you and me, you don't have to be the most talented. You don't have to be the who's who of the Christian zoo. You don't have to have the resume or the pedigree or the education. God uses simple people, ordinary people, to do extraordinary things. Why is that? Because when extraordinary things happen, we know we can't take any credit for it. If something great happens through your life or through my life, to God be the glory. That wasn't me. That was God through me. Come on, can I have a good amen? So quit being so preoccupied with yourself. Moses was like, who am I? And God's like, wait a second. Who am I? You see, John the Baptist says, we must decrease and he must increase. We must become less and less so that he can become greater and greater. Now, it's okay to feel inadequate. Let, let me just speak to our humanity because I feel inadequate every single time I step on this stage. I feel inadequate to be in the position that I'm in. We may feel inadequate, but God's grace is always sufficient. God's grace is equal to whatever he's called you to do. So let's become less self-conscious and more God-conscious. When it comes to our identity, it's who we are in Christ. Then Moses says, well, wait a second. Well, Lord, if I go back to them, who am I going to tell them it is that sent me? In other words, he's saying, well, God, who are you? He's questioning the, the, the very source of his calling. And here's where the Lord reveals himself in Scripture for the very first time. Who am I going to say it is that sent me? And God says, you tell them. I am that I am. Now, that's interesting. How many have ever heard that before? God identifying him, I am that I am. One translation says, I will be who I will be. What's God saying to Moses? 
God is saying this, I am whatever you need. You say, well, God, I need strength. Guess what? That's who he is. God, I'm, I'm a little insecure. God's got all the boldness and confidence that you need. God, I don't have. God says, I got it all. Whatever gaps you feel are are in your life, he's the God that fills every gap. His grace is sufficient. His strength is made perfect. Come on, somebody. Quit telling God everything that you aren't and and start thanking him for everything that he is. Lord, I thank you that you are peace. Uh, God, when I feel afraid, you are the peace. Uh, Lord, when I feel insecure, you are my confidence. God, when I feel empty, Lord, you're the God who who fills me. Lord, who am I? God, who are you? And then he says this, but what if if they won't listen to me? If I go back and, and and I talk to them, And I tell him, I am that I am is the one that that sent me. What if they won't listen? And here Moses is concerned with the approval of others. Approval. I want you to hear me. Do you know the quickest way to forget what God thinks about you is? To obsess with what everyone else thinks about you. The quickest way to forget what God thinks about you is to be consumed with what he thinks about you, with what she thinks about you. Well, when I, am I going to find favor with this group? Sometimes in order to please God, you're going to have to displease people. Come on, can I have a better amen? Now, th- this, this is going to be challenging to some. Listen, I am by nature a people pleaser. I am. I, I want everybody to be happy, and I want them to be happy with me. How many know, if you want to make everybody happy, don't be a leader. Go sell ice cream. Come on, somebody. Come on, man. That, that truck pulls in the, in the neighborhood with that music playing and the kids come running. If you want people to love you, go sell ice cream. But if you're going to pursue the plans and purposes of God, know that you're going to upset some people. You're going to create some controversy and some opposition. And Moses said, but, 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 but wait, God, I, I, I don't speak. I don't, I, 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 I don't speak very well. I, 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 I stutter. I just I trip over my words. Moses was thinking about his ability. And what, what did God tell him? God said, Moses, who made your mouth? If you just open your mouth, I'll fill it. Listen, God will put his thoughts in your mind. He will put his words in your mouth. He doesn't need your ability. He wants your availability. He's looking for somebody who will just say, Lord, I'm willing. God, I know that you are able. God, you want my willingness, but, but, but I, I can't speak. God says, I'll give you the words to say. And then finally, he says this, surely someone else is more qualified than I am. Surely you've got the wrong person. You know what he's doing? He's comparing himself to somebody else. Can I tell you something, church? God will not help you be like somebody else. He created you uniquely. He's going to anoint the original, authentic you. I pray that some of you are becoming more comfortable in your own skin and how God has wired you. Your gifting is unique. 
Your personality is unique. Quit comparing yourself to everybody else. God's not going to help you be like anybody else. He wants to anoint the original version of you. In fact, let me say it this way. Be yourself and let God be himself through you. Come on, do you believe that? Just go. Moses is arguing with God. God's saying, listen, I'm going to do something incredible, Mo. I'm fixing to deliver. You, you, this is going to blow your mind. Mo, 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 Mo. Quit with the excuses. Come on. No Mo excuses. Come on, somebody. Saw what I did there? That was Holy Ghost. Write that down, Corey. Come on. Preach that in the youth, man. That'll preach. Say, no Mo excuses. God, I like that. I should have said that in the 9 o'clock service. It's all right. That 11 o'clock, man, you guys are special. God wanted that just for you. Why do we argue with God over the amazing things he's trying to accomplish in us? You know what? God's saying, I'm going to do something incredible. Do you want to be a part of it or not? See, the choice is yours. Uh, Some of you need to quit praying Lord, bless what I'm doing. Bless what I'm doing. Bless what I'm doing. Why don't you just do what God's blessing? God's got a blessing and a purpose. Say, God, I'm going to get on board with you. And yet, I don't feel inadequate. I feel inadequate. I may not have the skill set, but God, I know that you've chosen me. And so I'm just going to trust you in the process. Think about what Moses would have missed if he would have hidden behind all of his excuses. Somebody say, spectators. Say excuse makers, say go-getters. Okay, check this out, the the go. Finally, 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 chapter 4, verse 20. So Moses took his wife and his sons, put them on a donkey, and headed back to the land of Egypt. And in his hand, he carried the staff of God. Finally. God had wrestled with Moses' will to the point of surrender. The Bible says he heads back with his family to Egypt, but what was he holding in his hand? Say, man, it's just a stick. Oh, no, it's not. That stick with the anointing of God becomes something powerful. It becomes the rod of God. You see, it didn't matter of Moses' ability, Moses now had authority. And with that staff, he would one day soon stretch it across the Red Sea, and those waters would part. Mm -mm -mm -mm. Watch God do supernatural things in you if you're just willing to step up and go. It's go time. It's go time. Don't sit back any longer. I, I want to close this way. I want to show you this, this video of the power of your go. I want you to see men and women who've taken a step and said, you know what? Put me in the game. L- look at what their contribution creates. Check out this quick video. Each weekend, HPC hosts 24 services across 14 campuses in five countries. Our GO teams are the hands and feet of Jesus that make these services excellent, inviting, and all about Jesus. 
Growing together as a couple in service has really allowed us to see how we interact with different people. And we find that when we serve together, it strengthens our relationship. And we really, we love it. Before joining this team, I was not involved in a small group, and now I am. And we get to meet up and just talk about Jesus and love on each other and be there for each other. And I think that alone has strengthened my relationship with God. These amazing volunteers serve in a variety of ways, from helping people find a parking spot, checking in kids, greeting all those who attend, serving coffee, or praying over people at the altars. They are truly the heart and soul of this house. You know, we, we've learned that as we serve, we grow in understanding who God is right. and understanding our purpose with serving people. Not to mention just the spirit of the people that I serve with is so tangible that you can just feel the presence of God when you're in the room with them. When I think about serving, I think about God, what God does in my life and what I'm doing in the lives of others in my growing wow. and serving. Yeah. Through serving, I've learned that God even cares about the small things. Because while we're taking care of the babies, the families are getting the word of the Lord. Marriages are being restored, hearts are being softened, strongholds are starting to break. So God even cares about the small things. This church was not built on the talents of a few, but on the sacrifices of many. Every volunteer who serves at a service is helping each and every person there get one step closer to Jesus. Being a part of a GO team is a great way for you to grow in your faith and use the gifts God has given you to impact dozens of people each week. For someone who hasn't served or is thinking about serving, is a little hesitant about serving, I'll tell you this. That is something that will grow you as a person. It will grow you spiritually. It will grow you emotionally. It's amazing and you will not regret it. Give it a try. You will enjoy it. You will grow. You will love it and you will feel great yes. inside. I would encourage someone who's hesitant about serving to just do it to sign up today and to join a team because without this team, I never would have had the relationships I do now. And plus, working in the nursery, who doesn't love Cheerios? God is calling His church to go. Thank you for being that church. Come on, can we put our hands together for the amazing men and women who make these weekends happen? Oh, fantastic. Hey, stand with me. Everybody stand up. Everybody standing. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. You say, Pastor, why? What's the big deal? You know, why, why is this such an important thing? Here's why. I want you to consider this. This church is growing. God is bringing increase to this house. Do you know that our attendance is up 15% from last year? People are coming to church. People are hungry for God. Man, we're, we're, we prayed for revival. We're, we're positioning ourselves for revival. We're seeing supernatural things happen across all of our campuses. So much so that, you know what? We're on the verge of having to add a third service on Sunday. Come on, yay God. Come on, somebody. Yay God. <laughs> you know what that means? We need your help. We got to have you on a team. 
More people means more traffic. Come on, somebody. More people means more kids. More people means more coffee. Come on, talk to me, talk to me. We need creative production people. We, we need hands and feet that are willing to go. Now, now, here's the truth. Hear me. You need what God is doing in this house. You need it. And there's nothing unique or special about Healing Place. It's the presence of Jesus. You need what's in this house, but this house needs what's inside of you. And God said to Moses, it's go time. And I'm telling you today, it's go time. Here's what I need some of you to do. Some of you, you need to get in next steps. Next steps, next steps, next steps, next steps. I know there's probably a, a lower third, a QR code. Some of you need to sign up today and get in next steps and start the process. Hey, I want to be a part of what God is doing. God, I want to do what your blessing, his blessing is on this house. Amen. Thank you for listening. Take a moment and subscribe so you can become a part of the community here and stay up to date with what is happening at Healing Place Church. For more information about HPC, visit healingplacechurch.org.